Blog Talk Radio. We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. And ABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Good morning. My name is Ursula Odom, and I am your host for NAVWIC Speaks, and I am the CEO of Sula2, and we make old, new, and everything we do, we capture, preserve, and present legacy information about your company and about your family's because your history is American history. This morning, I have the pleasure of introducing and interviewing Ben Walker. And Ben says that entrepreneurship is what wakes him up in the morning, and he loves the process of building a successful business and helping others to build a business as well. He has always had a passion for selling items online, and he sold his first item on eBay in 1995, and that was before he could drive a car. He graduated from Texas Tech University with a business um, MIS degree in December of 2008 and an MBA from Oklahoma State in 2014. Like most people, he found himself with a heavy burden of student loans and barely able to make the minimum monthly payments. Knowing that he did not want to continue this path and needing to find a financial solution to paying off his student loan debt, one weekend a friend of his asked to sell their used iPhone for them on eBay. It was that solution or that situation that gave him the idea to buy used iPhones and the ones that he found on Craigslist and resell them on eBay. It took him three months to save $50 to buy his first iPhone off of Craigslist. Founded in 2010, Bias Point, which is the name of his company, has grown from selling one iPhone a week on eBay to doing over a million dollars in sales across multiple online platforms. Now he's specializing in low-voltage electric supply. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. I'm excited about hearing about your business because I I know bits and pieces of it, but I want to know the rest of the story. Now, first (laughs) thing people are going to ask, because we're talking about NAVWIC, which is women in construction, black women in construction, and obviously you're not a woman, so why is it that you are a part of NAVWIC 
And what has your experience been with this company? I mean, this organization. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great and a fair question. Um, it's weird because I didn't join. Clearly, I'm not a woman. Uh, but what I was when I first started the company, and I, I moved to Tampa. Um, my wife and I have only been in Tampa for about three years. And what I was looking for when I was looking for an organization was a group of people, period, that were uh, serious, um, business-oriented, and uh, were dedicated to growing not only their company, but also growing their community. And so what I found was I found an organization that meet all those criteria, and they just so happened to be black women. And so I basically said, hey, look, clearly I know I'm not a black woman, but I think that the way I think, the way you all think, we align uh, very much the same way. And I just want to know if I can join an organization because I think we're all headed in the same direction. And the uh, current board said, absolutely. If we're all rowing the boat the same way, then let's go ahead and row together. And so that's why I decided to join Abwick, and it's been excellent ever since. Now, you talk about people thinking alike. What are some of the things you have in common, common goals, common um, processes? What is it that attracted you? So I think some of the big things are uh, just being serious about business, period. A lot of times you uh, maybe go to some organizations that aren't so focused on a set goal. Uh, with NABWIC, we have a basically an annual goal combined of what all the contracts we would like our individual members to hit. And the only way you hit those goals is if you're very focused on your actual individual businesses and making sure that happens. And so what I see with NABWIC is when I have conversations with people, <laughs> they're straight into the point because, look, we don't have time to, for fluff. We don't have time to mess around. We're all trying to make, uh, to make money, quite frankly. And uh, we're trying to use that money to create jobs and then create jobs in our communities. And so uh, knowing that, we're on the same page as far as not having time to mess around every single day, every single minute. It's valuable. So making sure we get value out of all of our time. And when you, when you talk about your particular history, back up and tell us a little bit more about some of the struggles that, that you went through in order to get to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's it's kind of interesting. I, I think my friend said it best on Facebook. Um, he's at a, has a company. He's been in the company for about 10 years now, and he always posts online maybe like once every few months. He'll say something like, day 10,001 of my overnight success. And I think that really speaks to volume of the reality a lot of times when people see very successful businesses, they don't understand that that to get there, there was a lot of like restless nights over the over the years, the decades to get there. A lot of times you only see the end game, but you didn't see the journey to get there. And so for me, for Byers Point, that journey started back in 2010. I graduated from um, from from undergrad, got a job, was making decent money at the job, but the problem was like a lot of other people, I had student loans, and I just could not pay my bills, uh, make really any kind of headway on the student loans. And I knew that I did not want to be in debt forever. So uh, one day I'm at a house party and a friend says, hey, I've got this old iPhone. Are you interested? I asked her, yeah, how much? She says $50. I go look online and realize they can sell that same thing for $150. At the time, I'm pretty darn broke. So I tell her, yes, but give me some time. Um, it takes me three months to save the first $50. Three months later, I buy that phone. I sell it. I make a hundred bucks and basically an hour's worth of work. And it dawns me like, <laughs> if I can make this much money that simply, then there must be a whole bunch more money out there for me to make. And so what I started doing is I looked on Craigslist 
I found that there's tons of people trying to sell their other used phones. So I start one by one, buying all these phones on Craigslist, flipping them online, getting that profit, and basically um, reinvesting that profit right back into business. After doing that for about two years, we got up to about, I would say, I don't know, uh, 20 to 40 phones a week. Uh, but then you have an issue with you have more demand than you have supply, so you have to figure out a way to get more consistent supply. So start looking at liquidation lots. Um, start buying mass liquidation lots to sell, but then again, the same thing happens. You plateau, and you need more consistent. And so I um, came across GE as a, as a brand. They had a liquidation lot. I reached out to them and said, hey, what else do you have? Um, they sent me a huge list of all the stuff they were trying to get rid of, and I told them, we made, basically made an agreement and said, look, how about this? I will uh, buy all your liquidated lots that I, can, that I can afford to buy from you guys. And then on the plus side, you don't have to worry about your large customers, like your Home Depots, your Lowe's, and your other large brands that buy from you all. You don't have to worry about upsetting them because I will only buy the lots that they're not carrying in the stores. I'll sell it online so they don't, I don't compete with them, and it's a win-win. We did that for about three years. And eventually it dawned on me that I could be creating my own products. And so I went, I went and found sourced a, a manufacturer in China. And now we produce our own products under the virus point. And we've been doing that for the last three years now also. And uh, very successful. Uh, and to backtrack a little bit, during that entire process, up until year seven, I was working a full-time job and I was getting a master's degree. So for the first two or three years of the business, my schedule was literally uh, wake up around 7 a.m., answer customer emails till about 8 a.m., 10-minute drive to work. I skipped lunches uh, for about two years, completely skipped lunches. I would drive home, package the packages, ship them out, come back to work. Uh, then I would go to, to class from about 6 to 9 p.m., and then from uh, about 9 to 1 a.m., I was uh, packaging more packages, dropping them off at the airport, and then I did that every single day for like two years. And so um, – you really have to sacrifice to be successful. And so I sacrificed friends. I sacrificed fun. I sacrificed everything for two years to make that happen. It's funny hearing you say that. It reminds me of a quote, and I don't know who to credit, but I, I know that it's it's from a popular person that says, you have to be willing to do what others won't so you can have what others others can't meaning that those are the sacrifices that you made, and now you're at a point that is quite envious, um, I mean, by any means, because we not not talking about exactly what we're hearing about you, but we know that things are going real well for you, and that's exciting. And now hearing the kinds of sacrifices that you made in order to get to this point, then if anybody want to have what you have, they've got to make those same kinds of sacrifices. Absolutely. And um, you actually hit – go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say you did – you said one of my favorite quotes. It's actually uh, – I don't have many things hanging on my wall, but it's I have that quote hanging on my wall exactly. It's just that one thing on my wall, and it's from Ray Cook, and it says that if you're willing to work two years harder than most people are willing to work, then you'll be able to live a lifestyle that most people will never be able to live, and it's, and it's true. Wow. Now, you talked about – products from China, and that raised the question of, of the tariffs and all of the kinds of things that are floating around in the news right now. Is any of that impacting you? And if so, how? What are you doing? What should one do? Yeah, so that's a very real issue. Um, myself and my suppliers are talking about it. 
fortunately, it hasn't affected us yet. But the way it's going, I think it's only a matter of time until it does. And we'll just have to – that's just another business challenge. There's always a challenge whether it's that or something else. And so what will happen is, unfortunately, the way tariffs work is it's a tax coming in. Uh, if it increases by whatever percentage it increases by, and that gets passed on the consumers. Uh, we as a company cannot – we cannot eat that cost because it would put us out of business. And so we, if the tariffs are 10%, we literally would just increase all our product costs by 10%. And that would just get passed on directly to the consumers – and I would imagine that that's going to happen to every last company uh, in the nation. So we, um, so that's a very real risk, but the risk is more to the consumer than it is actually to the business, unfortunately. Mm, that's an interesting way to put that, more of a risk to the consumer than the business itself. Because in your case, you anticipate the risk and you plan for it, and make adjustments that would accommodate those kinds of increases. So I, I get that. Um, what are some of the opportunities that you see coming around the corner that's exciting right now? Um, I think for the company, it's going to be as a whole uh, more business to business. We've been we sell through Amazon, uh, Walmart, eBay. We're 100% online. Our own website, buyerspoint.com, which I recommend everyone go check out. Um, it's going to be so for us. It's going to be more of the business business relationships, more of the traffic through our own website, and that just helps us stay healthy. Uh, but from a macro standpoint, all, online is really just now getting traction. Even though we see it all over the place, it's still a very minute piece of the pie. Uh, as of right now, I think the last statistics was that online retail only makes up ten percent of all retail. So if you hear that and you think how big it is right now, well then realistically, let's say if you get to 50% of all retail, well, that just means that at a macro level, your business can grow five times just without just for that standpoint, and that's not even including other products. And so the future is very bright for online. We're very excited. We're excited that we got started eight years ago now um, because I think that gives us the advantage of being ahead of the game, whereas most people are, they understand face-to-face retail, they might not understand online retail. And so since we understand online retail and that's the direction it's going, I think that gives us a a little bit of an edge for our competition. Hmm. Yeah, I find the whole industry rather fascinating when um, coming up through the, the computer industry and seeing this emerge, I played around with it myself and use eBay, Amazon. I sold books from, you know, thrift shops and things like that. So I know the process. Um, but creating a strategy behind really moving out a product is, is where the big ticket items come. And, and it's interesting to see how you've done that. Um, I have a particular site that you're aware of, um, onegreatdate.com. And, I'm in the process of, of trying to figure out how to get traffic to that site. Now, people think it's a dating site. It's not. It's a document site. It's a historical document site. And maybe I shouldn't have said that because maybe I've gotten, I would have gotten some traffic. <laughs> but um, one of the things I'm doing right now is, is just documenting the things that I do in order to build traffic to that site and, and, and paying attention to what works and what doesn't. Um, what are some of the things that you learned along the way about driving traffic? So that's a it's an ongoing battle. Um, 
an expensive battle also. So I would tell anyone that's getting started from the ground to for sure uh, go to the big platforms first, Amazon, eBay, Walmart, because that's where all the traffic is right now. And then once you get a base, start your own website because it's it's expensive to drive traffic to your own website. Um, we learn every day. The algorithms, algorithms change every day. I guess a couple of things I would say would be to for sure do pay-per-click, PPC. Um, also make sure that and to track your to track your spend, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever dollar you spend on advertising, make sure you're getting return. And if you're not getting return, then to uh, cut it off because, quite frankly, if you're not getting return, you're wasting money. Another thing is <clears throat> a lot of times you'll get requests for to advertise in magazines, advertise in newspapers, advertise on the radio, and all that's great if it works. However, if it doesn't work for you, then you must be clear with yourself and clear with the person selling you this stuff that, look, I'm doing this as a charity donation that I'm going to write off as a donation because it's not really advertising because I'm not getting any kind of return. And so for me, the only thing that I've seen across the board that gives me consistent return is pay-per-click. And so I can tell you very clearly how much money I'm going to get back for every dollar I spend, whereas if I advertise online, I mean on the radio or on a billboard or on a newspaper or magazine, I basically don't see any return. So I'm very clear with those vendors that I'm doing this as a – as a charitable donation and not for advertising because it's not advertising. Hmm. Amazing. And I'm, I'm pleased to hear about the pay per click because on the opposite side of that, I um, have links to some of those popular ones where you can get revenues on your site, on your site from um, advertising those, those companies that are looking for pay per click. Is it hard to get enrolled in one of those? As a vendor, as a supplier. So I'm not sure. That's not so. What you're talking about now is now the uh, affiliate marketing, and I'm uh-huh. I'm not really really sure. We we haven't done that yet. Um, I'm sure we'll explore that sometime in in the next 18 months. But um, so I, I really have no feedback for that. So we are all based upon we have keywords that we know we want to rank for on each one of our products or each one of our pages, and so we're all about bidding to get those keywords or bidding to get that audience. So that's uh that's kind of where we are right now. The affiliate marketing I think will is probably on the roadmap somewhere. Okay. So for clarification, when you say pay per click, an example of that would be Facebook ads or Google ads. Correct. Okay. All right. And so I was thinking that um those affiliate markets are using that they were linked to your advertising in that way, but they are separated. Yeah, correct. So I guess that's fair because that is still typically pay-per-click. But I guess when I say pay-per-click, I should have clarified. I mean like the Google shopping. I mean like the Amazon shopping. I mean uh, maybe even a Facebook ad. But uh, I I do not mean where I pay somebody to put my my, uh, banner on the website and they click on the banner, I get a click. I, I do not mean that. Okay. All right. Because my stuff is so my stuff is so specific. Like you're not going to buy a wall plate unless you're looking for wall plates. Whereas you might buy a yoga mat if you see it on a uh, a website when you're reading a blog. Um, so for my stuff, I've not. It makes more sense for me to only target people that are currently shopping for something. Mhm. Um. 
Now, as it relates to acquiring major contracts and, and things like that, what is that kind of process like? How do you get big? Yeah, so that's difficult. So um, it is a lot of, uh, I think it's selling your value. So most people have, most people have the quality. Most people have the customer service. So those two you have to have. We take them very serious, but so does everyone else. And so I think uh, what we try to do is make your life simple um, and make your and and have an understanding on what the expectation is going to be and what the relationship will be. So if you come to us, we kind of ask like, what are your pain points? What are some things that are causing you guys headaches that keep you up at night that are aggravating you? And let's solve those problems um, and create a relationship that way. Uh, we have one customer where they say that um, they build uh, products and our product goes into uh, in the products they build. Their pain point is my wall plate is a $2 wall plate on a $100,000 project or something like that. And so what they don't want to do is hold up a $100,000 project for a $2 product. And so what we do for them is we make sure that we always have inventory on hand. So whether our inventory has a customs issue inventory gets lost in the mail, regardless, if we need to get inventory back out in the next day or the same day, we can do that because, like I said, they don't want to be held up for something minor. And so when you get these larger customers, they're not worried about the price, the customer service, or the quality because that's because if you're having a conversation with them, that's already understood that that has to happen. What they're looking for is uh, solutions. So the image of online businesses is that, you know, they can start out of your garage and you can make huge amounts of money without ever getting any employees and what have you. Have you begun to grow as far as employees are concerned? Or is it true? It's uh, it's somewhat true, um, but it, it all depends on what you want to do. So if you were to ask me two, even just two years ago, then do you ever want to have employees? My answer would be no. I would have never wanted employees uh, because I had this, uh, stigma or this uh, perception of owning employees or not only having employees that uh, you pay a bunch of taxes, it's a, it's a headache dealing with them, and it's not true. So I had a bunch of freelancers. Um, now, push forward two years later, I'm very excited about creating jobs. Um, I want to have employees. I want to create jobs. I want to pay my employees well, hopefully provide well benefits for them so that we can contribute to the community. Um, yes, yeah, so right now we, we hired our first two, two uh, direct employees uh, starting in January. We'd look to probably be at five employees next year, but we also still use freelancers. And that gets back to the point of can you grow this business and make a ton of money without employees? Yes. Uh, I could have for sure hit a million dollars before I hired my first employee. Uh, we hit about $850,000 before I even brought on my first part-time employee. And the way you're able to do that is you outsource everything. So I work from a laptop. You can outsource who ships out your products. You can outsource your marketing, your advertising, your uh, analysis. You can outsource all that stuff. And that allows you to never have to hire part-time or full-time employees. However, you still have an expense because you still need freelancers or, or remote workers to get this done for you. Now, um, in terms of freelancers, Explain how that works. I mean, I, I personally have used them too, but I'm curious to know what the process is like for you and how you determine which ones you're going to use. 
Yep. So what I look at is I, I have a three-year plan. I break it down to a one-year plan, and I see basically what are the things I need to accomplish that are the uh, issues I have or things I need to accomplish that I don't have a skill set for or I know for sure I'm not an expert in. And so it makes more sense uh, efficiency-wise to hire somebody else that is an expert. Um, so that's what I look for. And so, for example, that is I'm not a um, – all, I'm not a marketing expert when it comes to my own website. And so I look for a freelancer that is an expert in that. And so I use two websites, Upwork.com and FreeUp.com. Upwork is basically this massive pool of freelancers. And FreeUp is the same thing, except they build themselves as the top 1% of all freelancers. And so if I need a very specific expert-level skill, I go to FreeUp. If I need a, basically a generic skill, I go to Upwork. And so, for example, uh, FreeUp, I went and found my uh, basically marketing director, and they do all my marketing for me on the uh, my individual website. I went to Upwork because I, I have um, graphic design needs. And so I have a graphic design, a graphic designer that I keep on tap, and anytime I need a design made, I just send them a quick email or a quick message, and they do these one-off projects for me. And that way I don't need to pay somebody full-time to do graphic design if I'm only needing them once every few weeks. We do it that way, and that's how I use freelancers. And, and, and I find them based upon their reviews. I find them based upon the things that submit to me, the portfolios, and that's how I find my, my uh, freelancers. Now, did you ever encounter what would feel like bait-and-switch? The very first experience I had with one is that, you know, they advertised what they could do for a certain amount, but then when you actually tried to get a project done, um, they nickel-and-dimed you to death up. So I had to readjust how I used them, and, um, and, and with that, I was able to move forward a little bit better than, than that first experience. What's your experience with being able to control quality and results or expectation versus results. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think the first thing is to have upfront expectations. You have to put exactly what you expect. I tell everyone that I work with, I expect perfection. And anything with perfection is not going to work. And so I, I make that very clear. Uh, and then when you talk about scope creep on the, on the cost, I basically give them a budget. I say, um, I'm looking for this project to cost this amount of money. And if, it, if you can do that, great. If you cannot, then you have to explain to me why you cannot come within budget, and then I make the determination if I want to do that or not. And I did that because, like you said, I uh, I have the same issue. You you hire somebody for an hourly pay. Uh, next thing you know, it comes up to two or three times what you expected it to be, and you're like, hey, what's going on here? And so eventually you, you figure out, okay, I figure out the, you figure out the game there, and so you start either setting a set price or what I've also learned is, you might get somebody that, that says they want $50 an hour and someone else says, I only want $10 an hour. But that person that's $50 an hour is a whole heck of a lot more efficient because they're an expert, and so they might get the job done in two hours and only cost you 100 bucks. That person that says they wanted $10 an hour might not be an expert, so they end up taking 50 hours and costing you $500 in cost. And so uh, I also started correlating that there is a reason why some people charge more and if they can prove that they're that they should be paid more, then I typically will pay the person more because I know they're gonna get the job quicker, get the job done quicker. 
That's funny. I don't, I don't recall where I got this from, but I remember watching something where the person said the words, why am I being penalized? Because I am good. I can get the job done in in an hour versus someone taking five hours. And um, it was a whole argument around that. And I don't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but that's what that reminded me of. It does feel like you're um, the person that is an expert and have higher prices, yet um, they're, they're, they're not as well respected if they're not understood. Right, and I think it's, and it's up to them to be, and I think you know they had the last comment, was they have to be understood because if, you, if you're somebody that says that I'm worth five times more per hour than the next person below me, well, then you have to be able to convey and have to make other people understand what value you bring to be charging that much. And if you can't convey that value, well, then well, then no, no, I'm not going to pay you that kind of money. Mm-hmm. And the person that helped me understand that concept, too, was um, Tony Robbins, believe it or not. He, mm. in his discussion or his, his um, introduction, he said something about collapsing years into hours or into days. You know, by being in this particular seminar, you will, instead of take five years trying to figure something out, then you'll do it in, in just a couple of days. Or it may have been someone else. It may not have been Tony Robbins, but it was someone on a national scale that said that. So it makes sense if it does. Um, are there any kinds of things that you haven't been asked so far that you'd like to share with um, your listening audience? Uh, I guess the listening audience, I would say that this is business. So uh, we sell low-voltage electric supply. Uh, we sell them 100% online. Uh, we have we have perfected the online process. So if you buy from us, you can guarantee the product you see will be the product you get. You'll get it in a timely manner. That typically means that we ship it out either the same day or at the absolute latest the next day. Uh, we carry multiple things online. We Our thing is we don't care if you buy one or a 1,000 as long as you buy from us. And so whether you're a small person looking to uh, or an individual looking to put a TV in your home and you just need a couple of our products, we will serve you and be just as happy to sell you those products you need for that. Whereas if you're a large company outfitting an entire school, we will you'll get the same experience um, and we're flexible. If you need the whole inventory on hand because you have a large project, not a problem. Or if you need a certain inventory every single month, we can get that to you also. So from a business standpoint, I would love for you guys to visit us on our website, buyerspoint.com, uh, purchase from us. Um, and then from a personal standpoint, if you're someone out there that is looking to become an entrepreneur, I say absolutely do it. There is there is no problem working for someone else if that's what you want to do. And so you say, you know what, that's what I want to do, that's fine because I need employees and entrepreneurs need employees and we look for good workers However, if you're that person that has an itch to be an entrepreneur and you want to do that, I say absolutely go for it. It will not be easy, but it will be for sure one of the most, if not the most, rewarding things you will ever do in your life. I tell people all the time, you have no idea how much eight to ten hours a day is until you have it back for yourself. And so if you're looking to take that jump, do it. Um, Do the whole risk-reward scenario, and I promise you, the risk of not taking that jump is much, much greater than the risk of actually taking that jump. On that note, I'm going to say thank you very much because this has been 
absolutely informative and enjoyable. So good luck to you and all that you do, but I understand that it's not luck with you. You have made your way because of a lot of hard work, and thank you for sharing that with us this morning. And thank you for having me. All right. And to my listening audience, see you next week, Wednesday morning, 8.30 a.m. Navwick Speaks on Blog Talk Radio. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day.